Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Right back at it inside the 11th hour. A little bit after 11 o'clock on the fan, your nighttime host, Keith McPherson, rocking a five-hour KM to AM, but a little bit later start. We had the uh, live Giants playoff preview at Blue Ale House out in Riverdale, New Jersey. Bob Papa, Tiki Barber, Carl Banks, joined by Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, Darius Slayton, and DJ Envy. If you missed that, I'm not sure if you can go back on the Odyssey app and catch that. But the hope is that the Giants win and then they do another one next week heading into the second round. Uh, I'm in here watching NFL Network still and they just ended the game um, that the Giants lost to the Vikings. And that kick, you know, Greg Joseph is kicking in there every week. That is a football palace. I was just telling Marco that's that's a top five stadium in the NFL. Think about it. That's a top five stadium in the NFL, but they don't ever mention it as one of the top places to play in the NFL. Greg Joseph, that kick would have been good from 65. Graham Gano has got to be ready to kick. I I just think it's going to be a game where uh, they're going to move the ball, but they might not be able to necessarily punch it in. And it's going to be a game where you got to make field goals. And that's also why the spread is probably three. And when the game just ended, they flashed the stat. 11 games won by a margin of one score. That's 11 wins in games decided by one score as an NFL record by the Minnesota Vikings this year. And and that's the Giants' MO. I'm not sure how many wins the Giants have, but, like, just expect that kind of game. Now, I mentioned before that they were humbled a few weeks ago, and I really think that the Giants have died. Or if they haven't dove in, they're diving in. To this film, they definitely have. It's it's Wednesday going on Thursday now. They probably have watched this film front back, rewind, pause, watched every play five times. But the Green Bay Packers defeated the Vikings forty-one to seventeen on New Year's Day, and Jair Alexander, similar to Xavier McKinney, spoke out about stopping Justin Jefferson. He was way more cocky about it than Xavier McKinney was. Uh, he said that the first game was a fluke. And Xavier McKinney said something about him being shut down before, and I think he was alluding to the fact that Jair Alexander said what he said, then came out and did what he did against Justin Jefferson. Now, um, what, do I, what do I want to say about Justin Jefferson? Every He's not a secret. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. But um, Xavier McKinney and Adoree Jackson, just them being veterans, them being athletic, them being better than options you have – should help. They're not no one's gonna like no one's gonna expect them to completely shut him down one catch for 15 yards like the Packers did. But Wink Martindale is watching that film. The defense is watching that film. They're gonna try and frustrate him the same ways. You gotta jam him. You gotta have a guy on over the top, a safety over the top, so he can't beat you deep. He's gonna make some ridiculous catches once in a while, but I think they gotta limit him. And uh I, I also just said this to Marco. Marco comes in before the update. And I'll have a little conversation with Marco about something. And then I'm like, all right, I got to use that on air. 
Dalvin Cook got hurt Sunday. He went under the tent. And I think Alexander Madison had two touchdowns. I should have bet on it, too. I thought about betting him for one touchdown. If you're ever in FanDuel, go look at, and I'm sure you know my betters know, gamblers know, go look at the props for people to score two touchdowns. Like, I hit one of those bets the week, I think the first week that Jarek McKinnon scored two touchdowns, and I think it was plus 2,200. Um, and and I, I, I'm about to stop parlaying them because I'll try and parlay them, and then I'll I'll be mad because, like, McKinnon will have the two touchdowns, and then, you know, I'll try and put, like, a Travis Kelsey one touchdown, and then Kelsey doesn't score. But look for those bets when we get into the playoffs and think about what players are going to have the ball enough to score twice, like Tony Pollard or Justin Jefferson or whatever, and you could cash those bets pretty easy. But anyway, back to the Giants, and I'm about to take these calls. Uh, I, I think they have a shot, and I don't think it's false hope. I don't think people are getting carried away with themselves. I don't think that... Uh, is that far-fetched? Looking at NFL Network, they the first thing they flashed after that game was upset alert. You know, We're not just talking about it here. I think Minnesota's probably the only place where they're really confident that, hey, we beat these guys once. We've got 12 wins. They're not that good. On paper, we stack up way better against them, blah, 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 blah. But everybody knows that the Giants had seven penalties in that game. Uh, they had some mess-ups, some mistakes in that game, and it came down to a, a field goal in the last seconds to win it. Everybody's going to be on high alert. The Vikings are going to be ready to go from the kickoff. So will the Giants. It's going to be a good game. I can't call it. I, I probably would take, take the Giants with the points. And this is something else I want to add. There are no calls right now about the Giants. So I'm getting my like last Giants thoughts and rants off. Dayball is playing to win. This is potentially the last game of the season. Expect some kind of trick play, some type of gadget play, a fake punt, a fake kickoff. On sides, like something like that to swing the game, the momentum in the game. I think that can happen. I'm looking forward to seeing that game. I'm looking forward to, to all these games, honestly. I, I haven't made my picks yet, but like I said, I just laughed and said, maybe I got to get drunk Monday night. If I'm not on air, I, I, I can't watch that Cowboys game sober because if Tom Brady beats the Cowboys to go 8-0 and ends their season, like it's just a, another wasted year. Back-to-back years in the playoffs, back-to-back years with 12 wins. If they lose that game, I know Jerry Jones came out this week to say Mike McCarthy's job is safe, is safe. but no, nah, get him out of here. All right, back to the phones. My guy, Lewis, out in Brooklyn. What's up, man? You're on the fan. Yeah, I'm, reba- I'm you know, I'm back on. I mean, I, last time I was very down. And yeah, because after that Commander's game, how could you believe in the Cowboys, Lewis? But okay. nope, we got we to gotta get fired up. We're in the playoffs. The Cowboys are not going to lose twice. They're not going to score six points. We know that. They have so many weapons. Yeah, and the Buccaneers are not good. <laughs> the Buccaneers don't scare me. Tom Brady scares me. And, and them letting it be a close game where there's two minutes. I've just seen this episode so many times. The NFL loves that storyline of Tom Brady with two minutes left with a chance to come back and win. It's played out. The Cowboys have a great kicker. That's first of all. They do. Brett Maher, he's helped me. He helped me in fantasy this year a ton. Seriously. He, he had some games in fantasy where he's putting up 15, 20 points. I apologize to all those Cowboys fans. I let them down. I was despondent. I I was almost, you know, giving up on the Cowboys. I'm back on fire now. How about them Cowboys? Good, Lewis. You got to believe. <laughs> don't let don't let me ruin it for you. We got to Hey, listen. We got to establish the running game. I don't want Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott to be afraid to throw the ball, you know. He has to be aggressive. He has to be smart. He is a smart quarterback. He sees the field. 
you know, he's not. And and what? Which was that game that he threw a pick six and then rebounded and did so good afterwards? The Eagles game against the Eagles, and that was another stupid throw. Sweat coming off the the edge. It's like Dak. How do you not see this guy? He's six seven. I don't know. This is what it has to be, Lewis. They have to establish the run, and not so much with Zeke. Feed Tony Pollard. I just mentioned him as a guy that could score two touchdowns. We've seen it before, and. Dak is good against zone defense, right? He lit up the Eagles, so that's what happened. He went 24 for 24 against the Eagles' zone defense. You know why? Wow. Because he can look at the zone defense, identify what coverage they're in, and know exactly where to go to the ball. He was lighting them up. But when they're man, and he's he, – so that's where he got carried away last week. They were man, and he decides, okay, man, I like my, mat, my matchup backside with Noah Brown. Noah Brown? Noah Brown shouldn't be a factor. Go to C.D., Go to the tight ends, 11-11, one's on the clock. I'm making a wish that Dak Prescott does not throw an interception in this game. But, yeah, he threw that backside pass to uh, Noah Brown, and they they read it and picked it off and took it to the house. And it's like, that wasn't even where the play was designed. Like, go go to the front side of the play. They got got a new wide receiver they got. T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, he's good. Yes, and that's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. It needs to be C.D. and T.Y., and then Michael Gallup, if we're going over the top or red zone, but like it can't be Dak doing too much, and that's what happened on that play. The tight end Schultz, he's good. Schultz, Hendershot, Ferguson—they've got three tight ends. They've got a bunch of weapons, and also this defense has to bring it. They need to hit Tom Brady, and I don't care if, if everybody loves Tom Brady. They need to whip his head. They need to knock him down. They need to like put pressure blitz. on him. They're gonna blitz a lot. They're gonna blitz a lot. He has a very quick release. Uh, yeah, Leighton, Leighton Van Der Esch better be ready to go. Everybody better be ready to go. Micah Parsons Micah is. Micah Parsons. We got to get into it. We got to get back on top. We can't give up on them Cowboys. I, I just I don't oh, expect well, them I'm, to advance. But if they if they go out with a first round loss again, we've seen that so many times. And if, if it happens at the hands of Tom Brady, that's going to be a sick off season. And when I say now, sick off season, I don't mean cool. If the first half does not go good for Dak. Would you bring in there? No, they can't. They pay Zach. For, they play. They pay <laughs> Dak forty million a year. <laughs> they can't go to okay. Cooper Rush. They know, can't bench him like he's Zach Wilson. Are the Jets going to try to get our backup quarterback or our offensive coordinator? What do you no, think about no, that? No, no, no. Cooper Rush is good <laughs> in this offense because he's been in this offense for a long time. If they want to get Cooper Rush, they better go get Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore's interviewing for the Panthers' head coaching job. Oh, I like Kellen Moore. I thought he and was I a like boy genius, defensive. but uh, at at times, yeah. at times his play calls get stagnant, and at times he gets to the point where all he's calling is passes, where he abandons the run, and he puts the ball in Dak's hand too many times. I don't want Dak to throw the ball more than 30, 35 times max in this game. It can't be in the forties. You don't like uh, you don't like the head coach, right? No, I never was a Mike McCarthy guy. I just thought he was yeah. fraudulent, and I thought it was super weird that he like spent the night at Jerry Jones' crib. Like they had a sleepover, and then oh. they hired him. Like what? Like who does that? These are grown men. Uh, could you could you tell us a little bit before I go? I'll I'll hang up. I want to know how you got the WFAN job. That's an interesting story. How did you get finally the F- WFAN job? So I, I mean, thanks for the call, Lewis. We them boys. Um, uh, back in August of 2021, I had a tryout. And before that, Spike Eskin, who is our 
program manager here, our boss here. He came in, I think, in June or July before that. And I guess they were looking for new energy, new blood, new talent. And, uh, you know, I've been doing my thing online. I, I remember distinctly Spike following Talking Nets, my Nets podcast, and Pinstripe Strong, which was the Yankee podcast I was on. And I remember being like program manager at WFAN. And then Spike had his podcast, the, the uh, Rights to Ricky Sanchez, which is a Sixers podcast. So I just thought, like, all right, maybe he's following Talking Nets as, like, a rival team. Like, we were always covering um, the whole East, and and maybe he, you know, got wind of me that way. Whatever. I don't know. But when he reached out, he sent me an email. And uh, first it was just to meet up and, like, have a lunch. And shout out to Spike, man. Spike's such a solid dude, such a good dude. I, I met up with him before I headed to a Red Sox-Yankees game which was a day game. Jordan Montgomery was pitching. I met up with him not too far from here at like a vegan spot. Spike eats vegan. And a pretty good vegan spot. I forget what it was called. But I met up with him for the first time. And uh, we just talked. And I remember showing him my WFAN keychain. And I'm like, bro, I, you know, I'm not an all-day WFAN listener. But like I've always had the dream to be on WFAN New York Sports Talk Radio. And I got this keychain from Mark Malusis when I was in the fan cave eight years ago. And I kept this keychain on me every day. I looked at that logo every day. And, you know, I told him I, I really used to just listen to uh, Joe and Evan. Evan and Joe. Like, that was what I really used to listen to when I drove. And, I, you know, I would catch Steve sometimes at night and, and you know, listen to a couple of shows here and there or whatever. But, like... I remember telling him, you know, if I come in, I, I'm not trying to be Francesa. I'm not trying to be Mad Dog. I'm trying to be me. And uh, he's like, all right, well, let's get you a tryout next week. Like, no time to prepare. I was like, oh, all right. Like, literally, this was a game in August. I remember we ate. And after we ate, he's like, you want to go see see the studios? I'm like, hell yeah. I'm like, I get, word, I get to see WFAN. So he brought me up here. And who was the only person up here at the time? This was COVID times. Uh, this was, you know, summer of 2021, so people were working from home. There was no one really in here. But who was in here? Uncle Craig, Craig Carton. And uh, I was wearing full Yankees gear, as I tend to do. I had a Yankees bandana, my jersey on. And I think Craig thought that, like, that's what I wore to my interview with Spike. <laughs> I did not wear that to the interview. Because he ended up saying something about me later about that. Like, my kind of guy, he was wearing a Yankee, full Yankees gear to the interview. I'm like, nah, I was going to the game, bro. Like, I just set it up where I, like, came downtown, met up with Spike for lunch, and then I, I dipped to the 1 o'clock start. I missed the first, like, inning. But it didn't even matter because I missed the first inning, maybe the second inning, and J.D. Martinez fouled the ball back off Jordan Montgomery, and I was in the Delta Suite, and guess who got that ball? Still got it, so... Everything worked out. But, you know, after that, I got a, a tryout on a Wednesday. It was August 25th, 11-2. to I was super nervous. And the Yankees were on their little win streak in 2021. They were going out west to face the Angels. Or, no, they were going out west to face the Oakland A's. And I had all this stuff prepared about, you know, who uh, helped the win streak going and the heroes of the win streak and how long is this win streak going to go and when's it going to end? And I think the Mets lost to the Dodgers, and uh, they pulled Taiwan Walker a little early, and I think the Dodgers beat the Mets like 3-2. to two. And I didn't even watch the game because I was, like, preparing my own show. Like, I had no idea. I was just preparing my own show, 
and like running around doing things and then commuting into the city. But I had listened. And I remember Zoo was the first person I met here. And Zoo was a Mets fan. And he was like, bro, I know you probably got this whole idea for what you're going to do, but you should take these calls. And they were all Mets calls. And I was like, all right, I will. But I got to kind of like qualify myself. I got to like no one's ever heard me before. I got to tell my story, like why I'm even on this mic, like how I even got the chance to do this. And that three hours smoked by, took some calls. And, uh, you know, my, my Yankees Twitter people had my back. You know, they were all listening and tweeting and. I know Izzo saw the response and the reaction online after that first night, and I think that was a good little bump for me that a lot of people were adding WFAN, listening to my show, people calling into my show, which literally was just a tryout. And then I remember, like, Labor Day weekend came. I'm hitting up Spike, like, yo, can I get a redo? I need to re-audition. I thought I sucked. I was like, I, I didn't like it. Like, I tried to listen to it. I tried to listen back to it, and I didn't make it through the first, like, half hour. I thought I was trash. And uh, Spike's like, nah. <laughs> he, he just didn't even tell me anything. I'm like, all right, well, let me know if you need somebody to fill in overnight on the weekend. Like, I want to give it another go. And I just kept doing my Yankees content, my Nets content, my sports content, my vlogs. Kept going. And then the season kept going. And we got into, like, October. I think the Yankees got eliminated. And Spike hit me up again. And not long after that, it was like, Hey, you know, Steve Summers is stepping out. He's going to announce his retirement, and you're going to be the new nighttime host. And nobody really told me that's what I was trying out for. That's why I say I'm blessed. I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, kind of figured it out over the last year. But at first, I was my, like, my heart was beating 100 miles an hour. I'm like, I'm not ready to uh, step in. And, and be the nighttime host every night, Monday through Friday. Like, I didn't know that's what you guys were trying to do, but was I going to turn it down? Hell no. So I ended up uh, dipping to Puerto Rico because, and I remember Craig said this on air and we talked about it. After I got married in the summer of 2021, the All-Star game was two days after, three days after. And the All-Star game, I don't know, I like going to Major League Baseball All-Star game. It's a baseball festival. It's lit. Like, if you like baseball and you like all the teams and mascots and all the reporters and players and people being in one place, go to an All-Star game. Like, take the, the trip. Like, next year's in Seattle, I like I or this year's in Seattle, I probably am going. I uh, got to get MLB Network to pay for me to go, though. <laughs> so I, I took my wife to Colorado. I You know, the day after our wedding, I think I'm at JFK, like, super hungover. And just like out of it, Yankees played the Astros, and I think, I think it was a Sunday, and they should have beat the Astros. And the Astros came back, Altuve, that runt hit a home run, and I just got on a plane, passed out. Next, you know, we're in Denver, Colorado. So my my honeymoon was at the All Star game. My my wife is into the Yankees, but she's not into baseball like that. So I promised her that I'd take her on an actual honeymoon. But like as things started going, I'm just like, all right, well, we can't really dip too far. Let's go to PR. And when they made the announcement, like, Spike texted me, like, hey, the press release is going out. And, like, Steve wants to, you know, go ahead and do his, like, final schmooze and, like, let people know. I know you're not coming back for a couple days, but, like, is it okay? if we? I'm like, yeah, like, press the button. You know, I'm like, call me if you need me. Like, I'll be back. I think I, it was, like, November 7th, and I was coming back the 10th. 
And uh, I started the 15th, and then my first show was November 23rd. I always reference that Jason Garrett was fired that night, and uh, the rest is history. It's been over 13 months. I learned a lot. I remember Craig calling me and telling me there's going to be some ups and downs, and I was like, why is there got to be downs? Let's just be, let there be ups. He's like, you know, explaining to me the radio business and what he knows, and, and Craig is great, and Evan is great, and Everybody was great. Um, Steve Summers was gracious when I got to meet him, and everybody at WFAN has been instrumental in, you know, helping me, and here we are. So that's my spiel. That's how I got the opportunity. Uh, Spike Eskin reached out. We had a little interview. I had a tryout, and then next thing, I was thrown into the fire, and that's the best way to learn how to do anything. You, you want to teach a kid how to swim, throw him in the pool. I mean, watch out for him. But, like, throw him in the pool. You want to teach somebody how to – do something, see if they survive, see if they sink or swim. And I figured out how to swim, and I'm still swimming. And I'm still learning, and I'm still trying to figure it out. So let's keep the show going. Let's get back to another call. Let's see now. Now I feel like the table is clear. Oh, I want to talk about the Knicks with Fabian out in Brooklyn. What's up, kid? You're on the fan. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, thank God uh, the Knicks won tonight. Thank uh, God, because that would have been – I would. I, I'm – <laughs> I'm not a Knicks fan, but I'm kind of getting over them blowing games because it's not well, cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes, sir, Mr. Keith. Um, it it should have been a blowout, though. You know what I mean? I was disappointed it wasn't a blowout. They were up 25 or something like right. that. <laughs> and uh, that that makes me feel that we need another scorer. You know, and uh, you know, ever since Patrick Ewing, you know, uh, I feel the Knicks need like a, a scoring center. Like Pat, who who used to shoot the fifteen footer, so I was thinking, um, how about uh, Porzingis? Like, how about we do try to get Porzingis back? <laughs> you trying to bring KP there. back here? He don't want to be here. We uh, we knew I, that I, the first time. He didn't want to be here. I love that guy. Uh, how about any other like score? Can you name a few like other scoring centers? That that, that would complement. Uh, yeah, just get him B. Really <laughs> Just get Jokic. It's not that easy to get these guys. But I will say that, you know, I was just talking to Marco about this. Jalen Brunson is an all-star. Jalen Brunson is a scorer. Jalen Brunson will will them to victory, but he can't be the only guy. That's what Marco was saying. It's just him. And when you're watching the NBA, there are no teams with one guy anymore. If you're going to close out games, if you're going to win games, you have to be able to have at least two guys, right? Look at the Nets. It's KD, it's Kyrie when it's late. Uh, look at the Celtics. It's it's Jalen Brown. It's Jason Tatum. And it, it can even be Marcus Smart or Al Horford. Um, you, there has to be someone else. And I know this is RJ's first game back. I think RJ had like 27 points. Uh, but they need another. Like, that's why, I like, I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed. I'm not even a Knicks fan. But to get Donovan Mitchell, you were supposed to do everything to get Donovan Mitchell. Brunson had 34. RJ had 27. Julius took a little bit of a backseat with 14 because RJ is back. Understandable. But you like imagine if it was Brunson and Mitchell. Like, didn't Mitchell just have another 40 the other night? Like, I don't know. They should have done everything to get Donovan Mitchell here. He wanted to be here. He was showing up at City Field, going to Brooklyn Cyclones game. He literally said, I want to be close to my mom. And they didn't do everything in their power to get that, man. Keith McPherson on the fan, taking your calls till 2 a.m., I got to take a break, though. I'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fell in love with the girl at the rock show. Like, I know these jams, but, like, I, they're not in my playlist. They never were, and I never owned one of these CDs, but I know the I know the tracks. I'm on Earth. And this probably was on TRL or something. I used to be a big MTV guy. I used to love MTV. And shout out to MTV. I used to work over there, too. All right. Inside the 1130 half hour, um, I'm, I'm going to address something once we get to 12, so stay with me if you think about going to sleep. I, I got to address something with Salicata after we... Uh, get to the 12 o'clock hour. I think Fleegs will be in at 12 and I'll switch studios and I'll, I'll table that for then. But uh, I do want to get to these calls. People have been waiting and uh, I know I had to go on a, a storytelling journey after Lewis asked how I got here. Sorry if I bored you with that, but I think it's always good to qualify. I said that right away. You know, when I first came on air for my tryout, when I first came on air for my first show, you never know who's listening. You never know who's listening for the first time. And, uh, you know, they might like you, they might not like you, but they should know you. They should know who they're listening to. I think that's important. So I made sure to do that. But, uh, I mean, now I don't even know how many shows we do in a year, 13 months, going on 14 months. I I feel like I know a lot of the callers. A lot of you I've never met or seen. Um, I hope you feel like you know me a little bit. I've shared a lot of my life and uh, things about myself. I, I hope you feel like... Uh, you got to know me over the last year. So let's keep it rolling. Uh, e. Frank out in Astoria. What's up, man? What you got? Yes. Uh, happy New Year. and uh, Happy New think... Year. We're still we're still allowed to say it 11 days in. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to tell you something. I, I heard your story, and I heard one of the, your programs. I think it was last year when you were giving a description 
of how you looked, and uh, I was talking about some uh, uh, girl that I knew out in uh, who came to my high school from John Bone High School, and uh, you know, the, it was uh, <laughs> a show that I'll never forget. But uh, I got to tell you, your story is very interesting because it it's similar to a story that happened to me years ago. You know, when I was um, you know a young uh, child, and I was playing. Uh, a, a simple softball game. I started a season uh, on March 23rd, 1983, and it was uh, I was five and twelve. I wore uh, white letters on on a T-shirt on the back that said number twelve, and I ended up in a um, playoff runoff, uh, ending the season on July 3rd, 1983, at approximately 8:35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, uh, daylight time, and it was excruciating. It's a nightmare that I'll never forget. I have not recovered from that uh, softball uh, season, and uh, I, I regret even even having joined that that club because uh, it was introduced by a classmate of mine, and the only person that was watching me play all those games the entire uh, uh, spring up to almost summer was uh, my future girlfriend, Laura. So it's so embarrassing that I cannot even begin to condescend or even explain the the pain that I've suffered for having joined that that kind of ruined my life and I'm tormented by that so I understand what it is for you. Did you, did you suffer an injury? The you... range from Steve uh, Summers who is retiring and then you go through all that and you've been very successful in two years and you know I, that, that's very you know good for someone like yourself who feels optimistic about uh, the business uh, and uh, you know a lot of people don't last that long and you know I really 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 want to wish you a lot of luck because I, you, you sound like a very polite and decent gentleman who knows the facts he's very kind to the public and basically you know I heard many of your stories about you uh, playing football in college and how you work with different people out in New Jersey so I was I, I, I was very uh, uh, kind of um, uh, interested in the, and very accepting of many of the things you said because it's a unique look on, on a new perspective from someone who has fresh new stories and a lot of experience with uh, with um, sports so I, I was very uh, interested in what you were saying and in many of the shows that I heard you on. Uh, I called primarily because, Keith, I just want to tell you, you know, Mike LaFleur, I like what he did for the Jets, but a lot of people in, in the last two seasons felt like he was a negative influence. He was not performing or helping the team out. And, you know, in the last few days I've been listening to the fan. I've been, I heard negative feedback on him. And I always hoped that he would be kept for another season, but I guess, you know, the Jets had to give him the heave of whether they liked it or not. So I didn't like that decision, but it was made, and that's the end of that. Uh, and also, you know, as far as uh, the Jets go in general, you know, seven and, uh, hmm, uh, what is it, seven and um, ten. What's the big deal about that? I think the Jets uh, did all they could. They gave Zach Wilson an opportunity to prove himself as uh, 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 a quarterback that can maybe improve the team uh, as a mentor and also uh, give the team the ability to become uh, 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 give it better performance for the future. But again, in, in his case also, there was a bad rap on him. The, he, he got injured too many times. He uh, he couldn't really get the the, the the plays that he needed to get through. Uh, 
he he put up points for the other team with interceptions. So they, he got a bad rap. And as well, I wish him very well uh, in general if he gets to stay with the team in the next season, which I think he will. But, you know, as you said, Keith, uh, they're trying to look for another quarterback as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, no big deal. 7-12. and 12. You know, I've had this frustration for almost 42 seasons. I can't really say that the Jets... Uh, are, are going to keep doing this year after year. They've been to, out of the playoffs for 12 consecutive seasons. I believe that Robert Sala was a very kind, generous man who was a team mentor. He he pepped up his players to the best of their abilities. He spoke very eloquently in his press conferences on how he can make the, the team better. So I, I don't have any uh, bad uh, input on what the Jets did or what they're going to do in the future. I believe that maybe the Jets have a new start uh, for the following few seasons in the future, even though a lot of fans are getting old, like myself. That's life. You know, you have to face the music with those things, and you can't ask the, the Jets to do better than what they did this season. Okay. Uh, I think I was following you. Let's go backwards a bit. The first thing I was trying to figure out was, did you get hurt playing softball? I missed what what happened with the softball thing. Like, what you know, what was that parallel you were trying to make? I know you said a lot, but what was the, the softball story, like, in short? Well, it was a, a strenuous uh, season. I, 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 I was introduced to softball. I didn't know how to catch a ball. I didn't know how to use a glove. Oh, it was just difficult to, yeah, okay, I understand. Like, it was, you walked into something you had to learn on the fly, and it wasn't that easy, and you said you, you regretted doing that? Of course. Uh, they, they, I would be heckled all the time said, hey, what are you, a girl? You don't know how to catch a ball? Oh, that's rough. I mean, <laughs> brother, I've been heckled DJing. I've been heckled playing football. I probably get heckled doing this show. It's part of it. I, luckily, I can't hear any hecklers when I'm in here. Um, but moving on from that, the the, Jet, the Jets went 7-10, and 10, but they started off, I think, 7-4. and four. They lost 7 out of their last 8. Somebody has to be held accountable for it, right? And that happened to be Mike LaFleur. And I, like I said in my open, I think... The Jets didn't even know how to fire somebody the right way. Like, that leaked out, and then it was retracted, and then it was put out again as, oh, he wasn't fired. They are parting ways. It was a mutual decision. When you can't score three games in a row with the season on the line, like, let's say the Jets got more help from other teams, and they just had to beat the Jaguars or the Seahawks or the Dolphins. It didn't matter. They couldn't score a touchdown. Those games were winnable games. The Jaguars only scored 19 points. The Dolphins only scored 11 points. The offensive coordinator, you you couldn't blame the last two games on Zach. The offensive coordinator has to get creative, has to get crafty with the season on the line and figure out how to move the ball, how to get in the end zone. And I know that he's creative. I know that he's crafty because in that Thursday night game, we saw Chris Streveler come into the game and he had success. And I remember saying, how come there is a special package of plays for Chris Streveler who does not have the skill set that Zach Wilson has. But there isn't a special uh, grouping of plays, formations for Zach Wilson. There is. We saw it a little bit in the Vikings game. But that's when I started to blame Zach Wilson, too. Okay, it isn't all the coaching. Zach Wilson has to be accountable. And Mike LaFleur. And the pairing of those two is not going to work. You you saw it over two years. So LaFleur is out. And Zach Wilson has to fall into the background. They have to let this man fade Right? Please bring in a veteran quarterback that he can take all the attention and let Zach work in the shadows and let him be third string on the depth chart. Even I wouldn't mind them signing Mike White as a backup, but I have already said that like 
you know, the team is uh, in favor of Mike White. So you're never going to get Zach where he needs to go if if Mike White is there because they've already championed Mike White. You got to let Mike White go somewhere else. Sign another quarterback to be the the backup. They need three quarterbacks. Zach should be the third string. Um, and then lastly, like you said, like with the Jets, like I don't know, it's not going to be forever. I think there were some good signs this year. There are some good players. They drafted right. They have another opportunity to have a great draft. They're not going to be the same old Jets forever. Sala was on to something when he said, you know, I'm keeping receipts. He just got a little ahead of himself, and I think he was too blinded by the quarterback decision and too hard-pressed on Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. Um, I think the receipts will, will come into play uh, down the line if, if he stays here because the Jets are going to be good. But it's it's all about the season of the non-quarterback. They have to sign a veteran quarterback that can come in and move the ball, that can make plays, that can read a defense, and they'll be a competitive team right away next year. And they have to be with the schedule that they're going to face. Well, I I do agree to that uh, point of, um, of optimism. And I call it that because... Um, you know, I I hear some of the fans on on the station, they and some of the callers, they actually uh, begin heckling and, and screaming at the um, at the host, saying that they had enough, that, that this is not fair for them. That this it's is tough. Not right. It's tough. It's tough. I have a lot of friends that are Jets fans, and it's it's like they have this like common bond of misery, and uh, they go through it together. And when I say they go through it, they go through it. It's rough. Oh. You can't enjoy a Sunday. You can't enjoy a season. And everybody loves the NFL. Everybody loves football. But when you're a Jets fan, the Jets don't love you back. Thanks for the call, E. Frank. Uh, we've got to take a break here. Keep McPherson on the fan. Call me up. Whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll reset the table after 12. Uh, it'll be like a new show starting from 12 to 2. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Mike is on. Joe cracked the dawn, uh. It should be about us. It should be about trust. This was a jam when I was, I don't know, coming out of middle school, maybe going into high school. Your boy KM, a five-hour KM past AM. KM to 2 AM started at 9. Usually these start at 7. But we had a great Giants playoff preview show. I came in talking Jets. The Jets fired Mike LaFleur today, and I think that's good. I think that's a sign of change and a sign of not settling with the results that they got at 7-10 and 10 and completely bottoming out. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Carlos Correa saga, but, like, it's over. Um, I, I said that, you know, Mets fans will get over it, but, you know, after today, seeing SNY covering the press conference, I did not understand why they were tweeting out clips of Carlos Correa in Minnesota, in a Minnesota Twins jersey with the Twins logo in the background. And I realized, oh, this is this is going to go on for a while. This is uh, now in Mets lore. And uh, Mets fans listening know the Mets history better than me. I'm, I'm sure there's some other things that haven't gone away, you know, that people don't ever forget about, whether it's Bobby Bonilla contract or, you know, I don't know, Matt Harvey saga or whatever. Um, Carlos Correa was a Met for three weeks, so... As he goes, you know, he's going to be attached to the Mets. And what else do we talk about? The Knicks. The Knicks almost blew another game, but RJ came back, and Jalen Brunson is playing like an all-star, and they need another all-star next to him. It's not Julius Randle. Not as this team is 
currently constructed with RJ. You saw today, RJ comes in, and I don't even know how many minutes he played. He didn't play that many minutes, right? His first game back, but he did have 27 points. Let me check his, his minutes before we continue here. RJ Barrett had 27 points in 40 minutes. He did play a lot of minutes. He, I think I just saw his post game where he was saying that he could play more minutes. He played the most minutes next to Jalen Brunson. <laughs> uh, so I guess he's supposed to be the second star, number three overall pick. But it just they need more firepower. They need another scorer late that can hit shots and close out. Almost every team has him. I talked about the Celtics. Jalen Brun, um, Jalen Brown, not Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brown from the Celtics had 41 tonight against the Pels. The Celtics were able to beat the Pels, and the Celtics are on their way to Brooklyn. They will face your Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. Rob is in Cape May, New Jersey, on the fan. Hello, Rob. Hey, Keith, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, all right. I wanted to get your opinion on a couple things. Um, With KD out, you think they'll go after a big man now? And if so, would you give up draft picks? Because they have a lot of young talent to give away, I believe. I just don't know who it is. I don't think John Collins, and, and when we're talking about draft picks, the Nets do not have draft picks to play with. And and their draft picks that we're talking about are like four or five years away. Uh, I don't, I, I think this team is fine. And I think this is a test. This is deja vu from last year. I don't think it'll be an 11 game losing streak like we had last year, but it's deja vu from last year that KD went down with a similar injury at the like, same time. The Nets were. Uh, the same place in the standings, almost identical records. It is no coincidence that KD, I was at media day, and the first question they asked KD was about the trade. And he talked about, you know, last year when I went out, we lost 11 games straight. So when we got swept and we go into this season, I'm like, what are you doing to build around me? I can't be the only guy. So I'm excited to see the Nets. You know what? When that 11-game losing streak happened last year, Kyrie wasn't playing. James Harden didn't want to be the only star because he came to Brooklyn trying to get an easy ring, and uh, he quit on the team. So now, also, it's Jacques Vaughn's time to shine. Steve Nash couldn't coach, right? When you lose a star player, the coach is supposed to rise up and strategize and figure out how to make the team whole without a big part of the team. And the Nets have enough talent to do that, and Jacques Vaughn, I know, went to work. I'm glad that they had four days. The Nets played Sunday. KD went down. And they were able to finish that game without him. They were able. They were down, I think, nine to the Heat, and they were able to finish that game. Royce O'Neal, Kyrie, or whatever. And they had four days in between to get ready for the Celtics. The Celtics are coming off the second half of a back-to-back against a Pelicans team who's pretty decent, even though they don't have their two stars. I'm all right with the Nets. I'm interested to see how they respond. Kyrie is here, and Kyrie has been by himself before. And you you have to rely on guys now like T.J. Warren. You have to rely on guys like Utah Watanabe, Joe Harris. they got to score, right? Someone's got to replace KD's 25, 30 points a game, and I think they'll figure out how to do it. Kyrie will turn up. Royce O'Neal's got to hit his shots. Nick Claxton, he's good for you know some points in the paint, but him and Ben Simmons got to hit their free throws, and Ben Simmons got to stop being scared. Ben Simmons has to, has to literally like not be afraid to take shots and make shots. Uh, he can't just be trying to set picks and, and give the ball up as soon as it touches his hands, and they'll be all right. Yeah, I think so, too. You hit on all my points. Um, Blackman's playing great, and uh, Simmons can play more down low, maybe without KD, and um, hopefully Simmons will step up because he has all that talent. I see a good a good future for the Nets. 
I don't see them falling apart without KD like they did last year. I'm excited to watch Kyrie step up. I think Simmons will do fine. They have such a strong roster compared to last year with Royce. Claxton's at an all-star level. I'm just enjoying them watching them right they're fun. now. They're fun, to, they're fun to watch. They're good. This is what it was supposed to look like the last four years. It's finally looking like it's supposed to look like when we had the 12-game win streak. It sucks. You have a 12-game win streak, and then you lose the best player in the league. And now they got to figure it out. This is literally a test. This is literally why KD requested a trade. He didn't believe in the coach. He didn't believe in the GM to put talent around him. Now the GM kind of redeemed himself because he hit on bets with players like Yuta Watanabe, non-guaranteed, Edmund Sumner, uh, TJ Warren, whatever. Now is the test. Let's see if Jacques Vaughn, who they appointed to be the coach and not go get Ime Udoka, and Steve Nash sucked. Like, Steve Nash could not coach. Now let's see what they do. It's it's deja vu for a reason. Let's see if they can stay afloat, and I think they can. They The Celtics who are going to be tough, but I think they can beat the Celtics. Then it's the Thunder, the Spurs, the Suns, the Jazz. They can beat all those teams. Then they'll have to face the Warriors with Steph. I don't expect KD to come back. I know they said it's going to be a month. Uh, do you listen to Talking Nets podcast? That's my Nets podcast. We went through all of this uh, Monday, and we just recorded an episode tonight that's going to be scheduled for like 5 a.m. where we preview the game. I, I can do more Nets yeah. talk on the podcast than I really can do on air. Yeah, but I saw um, the podcast at the beginning when you first came on the fan. I thought, but I didn't realize you were still doing Talking Nets, so I'll definitely go back and check that out again. Yeah, you know, some haters tried to bring yeah, us definitely. down. They tried to stop Talking Nets, but Talking Nets is at 184 episodes Approaching 200 episodes, myself, Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn, we're going in. And with this team playing the way they're playing, uh, we're going to keep cranking out episodes and content so that uh, we can cover the Nets the best way we can. I would check that out, Rob. Looking forward to it. Um, props to Spike. He hired the right guy for the job. I just wanted to say that. And uh, take care, Keith. Have a good night. Thanks for the call, bro. And, yes, props to Spike Eskin. Keith McPherson on a fan. I got to take this break. I got to switch studios. I literally broke my stand-up desk that you hear Craig talk about. Like, why is Keith stand-up? Well, now I'm sitting the whole show. So I got to switch. I got to go to the other side. And uh, we'll reset the table when we get back from the break. Let's hit the break now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 